So, of course, I come this morning, and you all will relate because you're moms. This morning, my husband was going to take the kids to school for me because I had to speak. Um, I also work downstairs in the accounting office, if you didn't know that. And I just somehow ended up being both my kids' room mom. (coughs) Excuse me. So this morning, my husband was going to bring them. Well, yesterday, he got a hearing set in West Palm for this morning. So he had to bring the he had to go to West Palm, so I had to bring the kids. Then I had a room mom meeting, um, like a really quick one, but still that I had to be at. And then um, we're having some technical difficulties with my PowerPoint, and now I'm here. So I know that you all know that feeling where you're like, oh, I'm going to have all this time to, like, practice again and, like, do my makeup without a kid hanging off each leg and, like, make sure my bra doesn't show through my shirt and, like, all that kind of stuff. But I did not have that kind of day. So I'm just being real with you all before I start. <clears throat> so um, I'm here to teach or to talk to you about learnings. And so today we're going to talk about learning God's word. Um, Psalm 78, 5 through 6 says, He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children. Our job as moms is to teach our children God's story. And in order to teach them, we must first know it or be willing to learn it ourselves. And there are many practical ways to go about learning his story. You can read the Bible to and with your children, memorize verses, pray, do daily devotionals as a family, um, do object lessons with your kids, um, and you yourself obey God and teach your children to obey God, and then practice being Jesus to others. So first and foremost is reading the Bible. Um, Read it yourself, read it to your kids, read it with your kids. If they are old enough to read, have them read it to you. Um, There are so many choices of Bible out there. Um, You just find one that works for you, one that works for your family. And that may not be the same one. You may go through one on your own or one with your spouse and then another one with your kids. Mine are three and five. So we're currently doing... um, the Osborne Book of Bible Studies, which I got from someone in this room, Miss Rebecca. And it's awesome because it comes with a CD that's a read-along. So my older daughter's just learning to read, and she actually gets to, like, do it with the CD. And then at nighttime before bed, she reads it to us, which at this point might be some memorization from hearing it on the CD, but it's also helping her to learn. So we're, I mean, to read. So we're, you know, uh, doing multiple things at once. Um. In addition to reading the Bible, uh, there are lots of ways to teach your children biblical principles. Um, The next slide will show you um, the Ten Commandments. This is an activity I've done with my kids, and we use yellow paint, so it's kind of hard to see. But these are the Ten Commandments written out in um, language that smaller children will understand better. Obviously, with older kids, you could use the actual verses as they are. Um, But what we're doing is we've cut out each of these um, pictures And I'm having my kids go through them kind of like they do sight words. And um, when they know them, they get to um, take paint and do their handprints on a piece of paper. And for each one they know, they get to glue that one down on their handprints. We were trying to do it in order so that, you know, they would know them in the right order too. But they're not exactly, they're not necessarily memorizing them 
in that order. And honestly, I'm just glad if they know them, it doesn't matter the order. So, um, but it's a cute little way to have them learn it. And then we're hanging them up in their room. So we've only gotten, I think this one's Riley's and we've gotten one so far, but we hang it up in their bedroom so that, you know, they can see their, their handiwork and keep learning it by seeing it there. And that one I'll put, I'll put the link to these on the mom's Facebook page. So if you want to print it out and do it yourself, um, I'll put it there for you. Uh, Songs are another great way to learn and memorize scripture. We like the risers a lot. I don't know if any of you have heard of them. But on the next slide, um, you can go to therisers.com. And basically what it is is they take a verse and they repeat it a million times during the song. But they also, um, they say both the name of the verse and what that verse says. And then they also try to fit in like a little bit of knowledge of how to use the Bible in the song too. Like this one, this song over and over will say book, chapter, verse, but that helps your kid know how to read the Bible. They'll know that it means, you know, Second Corinthians is the book, five is the chapter, and 17 is the verse. So they're going to play a little clip of it for you so you can get it stuck in your head just like I always have it stuck in my head. So that's probably enough for you to now know exactly what that verse says. Yeah, so in case you didn't hear it, um, you know, it, it goes literally through the, what the verse says, and then there's like a little rap portion in the middle that we cut it off right before, but it will tell you about the book chapter verse part. So if you go to therisers.com, um, they have like both audio and music videos of it, um, and uh, YouTube also has them all too. So I made like a YouTube playlist, and our kids like, Sometimes instead of doing a story before bedtime, we'll do songs, which probably just gets them hyped up right before going to sleep. But um, anyways, that's what we do. Um, Another way to help learn verses is to put a verse or several in every room of your home. Like Vicki was saying that she placed them everywhere. Um, I feel lucky that Hobby Lobby came about right about when I bought my most recent house. And I went and just bought um, verses that I thought would either go with what that room is like, you know, the kitchen or um, the kids' rooms, and um, we put them everywhere. So this is a picture of my entryway when you first walk into my house. Um, They're not all verses, but the other ones are just things to remember, but the bottom four are all verses, and they're the first thing I see when I come home and the last thing I see before I leave. And I think, like, one usually stands out to me, and often it's something that I really needed to hear that day or be reminded of, like, to live thankfully is one, even though that's not a verse, just something that is a good reminder. Um, When both our, when we found out we were pregnant with both of our girls, we made them each one of these signs. It was, like, the first thing we put up in their nurseries. And it's 1 Samuel 127. For this child we prayed, and the Lord granted what we asked of him. Because we wanted our kids to know, and I'm going to make them keep them up until at least they go to college, which I'm sure... We'll see how that goes when they're older. But I want them to know that they were prayed for and longed for and wanted from before they existed. So um, they both know that verse because it's up in their room. And in our bathroom, we have the Fruit of the Spirit verses, which is kind of long. But we spend a lot of time in the bathroom among potty training and bathing. So they both actually know it because they see it every single day. And we go, there's an awesome song for that one, too. And so we go through that one a lot. But hey, it's a good way for them to learn verses. Um, In addition to reading the Bible and knowing scripture, another important part of learning God's story is praying. I explained to my kids, and it's good for us to know too, that praying is simply talking to God. 
Um, at the same as Vicky, I am like the most nervous public prayer in the entire world. Like even before mom's meetings when we pray, I try to like be this silent one because I figure if enough other people do it, I can just do it in my head and I don't have to have anyone hear me. Well, <clears throat> God thought it would be funny this particular week to stretch me a little bit about that. Um, our staff just started having prayer meetings on Tuesday mornings, and I'm on staff here. And um, this Tuesday was the first one, and I was running a little bit late because I do contributions, and Monday was a holiday, so I was doing that. So I'm late to the meeting, so I didn't hear how the meeting was going to go. And um, we got assigned groups. Well, my group was our head pastor, um, the headmaster, who's also an associate pastor here, the, one of the leaders of our youth who's in seminary, and me. And um, we had to pray out loud, which I, like, was shaking by the time I even got in my group. And then I had to go last. So, like, the head pastor went and was awesome and eloquent, just like you would expect. Then the headmaster went and was awesome and eloquent, just like you would expect. And then um, the impact leader, who's currently in seminary, like, went on and was awesome. And then it was me, and I had to pray for our head pastor publicly. And I was like, ah. um, I just prefaced it with, you know, I didn't go to seminary. Please keep that in mind. And you all were very eloquent. And I won't be, but I mean my prayer just as much as you all meant yours. <laughs> and they laughed. And it went fine. But it's just one of those things where just keep in mind, if you're nervous, it's fine. It's just talking to God. Just have a conversation. Um, one good way to uh, teach your kids to pray, and I did this at the first meeting last year, and I got asked so many times for the graphic again that it's um, right here, and I'll stick it again on our, um, on our Facebook page. But it's the five-finger prayer, and you put your hands, you have your kids put their hands together like this, and then the thumb is it's the order in which you pray, so it's those closest to you, your family and loved ones. The pointer finger is those who would point you in the right direction, teachers, doctors, or pastors, ask for wisdom and support for them. The index finger, um, or your middle finger, is the tallest. Um, my husband wanted me to make a joke today about that that's the government one and what finger that is that it's the government one. <laughs> and I told him that that was more appropriate of a joke for a men's group than mine, but that's all I'm thinking in my head right now. So thank you, James, for that. Um, he'll be thrilled that I said it too. Trust me, he won't be embarrassed. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, pray for guidance and wisdom for them. Um, the next is your ring finger, which is supposed to be your weakest finger, and those that are weak in trouble or pain. And keep in mind, we cannot pray for those people too much, whether we know them or not. Um, and the pinky is your smallest, and it's supposed to be last. Um, that's praying for yourself and your own needs. So it's a good way, you know, and our kids do, I think they honestly learned it at school, but they do like this before praying anyway, so it was a good way to tell them to go through it. Um, the next is prayer reminders. I know you're wondering when you see the slide why there's a giant donut on it, but I'll tell you in a second. Um, Psalm 55:17 in the Living Bible says, I will pray morning, noon, and night, pleading aloud with God, and he will hear and answer. Um, so a prayer reminder, I got this from Proverbs 31 Ministries. It says um, something that you see often, but that stands out to you and your kids. So the giant donut, um, I live out in Davie, and we drive 595 to Federal most mornings, and there's the Dunkin' Donuts right down here on Federal. 
And the past couple months, they've had a giant donut standing out in front of it, like kind of on the middle median every morning. And of course, I put this in my slideshow a week ago, and it hasn't been there this whole week. And my kids have literally cried that the Dunkin' Donuts donut has not been there in the morning. But that was our prayer reminder. We might have to come up with a new one now that he's not there. But they ask about it, so I guess it's still enough of a reminder. But it's basically something that you see every day, but that's not so common that you, like it, you forget or that it becomes too like normal to see, but it's something that would stand out to you and your children that would just be kind of a reminder to pray. Um, Proverbs 31 Ministries had a few other suggestions. Um, Lisa Turkers, and I always say her name wrong, so sorry if I did, but she says whenever her ears ring, she prays because she feels like it's a reminder to pray. Um, other ideas they said is when you see your favorite color or pattern, like leopard print is obviously my favorite pattern, so that was one they suggested. Um, and or when you see a car that's the same as yours. So like if I see a gray Honda Pilot, like there you go. But there's also other things like you can set a reminder on your phone. Um, you know, you have one for everything else. There might be a, a good time that would be a reminder for you. Or I saw a cute online, like on, I think it was on Etsy, like a cute little switch plate that you could put even in your kids' rooms. And it like it had a cute little saying about prayer, but it would be like when you're turning the light off in their room at night when you put them to bed, it's a reminder. So um, whatever works for you, just something that reminds you to pray with and for your kids. Um, The next thing is object lessons. And I don't love this term because I feel like, again, it's like church speak of like, oh, just do your object lessons. And honestly, I didn't even know exactly what that meant until I looked it up. So um, according to creativebiblestudy.com, object lessons are powerful tools to teach long-lasting lessons. Each object adds a 3D visual to stimulate interest as well as memory retention. What that means is it's stuff you find around your house that you probably have laying around, like, and um, there are things that you can, like, integrate into a Bible lesson, but your kids can see it visually and usually participate, and it will help them understand the concept better. So um, there's one in your magazine this month on Jesus being the light of the world. That one I figured you could read in, we're perfectly capable of doing on your own if you want to, so I'm going to do a different one up here today. Um, and this one's on the importance of knowing God's word. The objective is to show your children and yourself how being drenched in God's word helps our hearts to stay soft and allows us to share God's love and wisdom with those around us. So what you need for this? Two sponges, preferably one that's new. I just opened the package over there, um, and an older one, which is for a reason, um, a plate and a cup of water. So um, we did, I did this with my kids the other day. We, um, I have video clips of their actual reactions, and I didn't, like, prompt them or anything. We just did it, and I held the phone in one hand recording it, so I apologize for my lack of technical skills that way, um, but I figured better to see how actual kids reacted to doing it than me just tell you, oh, they'll love it, and it will be awesome, but... So first, have them describe the new sponge. Let them pick it up. Is it hard or soft? Is it wet or dry? If if you didn't know, honestly, in college, I had to call my mom. I bought a pack of sponges, and I opened it, and they were, like, damp, and I thought it was so gross. And I called my mom and was like, what's wrong with these sponges? Are there something bad? And she said, no, they're supposed to be like that. So just so you know, they're supposed to be that way. But it's soft, um, a little bit damp, and you can squeeze it. Um, So the next slide will be... It should be my daughter saying how she thinks it feels when she does So this is the squishy heart. And this is what we should all aspire to have, a squishy heart. 
Um, what that means, it would be a heart that's open to being full of God's wisdom and God's love. Then have your, um, and talk to your kids with this one about um, how you can feel, fill your heart with God's love. Read his word, talk to God, and follow God's instruction. And while you're talking about that, you or you can have them pour water over the, the sponge on the plate. Um, unless you want to get crazy and have it not on a plate. But um, that's, we did like a plate and a plastic tablecloth and whatever. I'm not anal retentive at all. Um, so have your child then describe the old sponge. The same thing, let them pick it up, like feel it. And um, my three-year-old did that one. She said hard. I don't know if it's hard to hear, but basically um, hard. So, And we talked about how your heart turns hard when you don't know God's word or you turn away from his word. It hardens your heart, and it's not as malleable. It's not as squishy for God to come in. Um, so then um, we talk about how when we share God's word or show his love to others, we can fill them up. So you can take the squishy one with the water that you poured on it, and you squeeze it over the hard one, and it it's full of water and softer. Yeah. So we had we did first like where like it would be like me pouring out my love for someone else or God's love, you know, by pouring into them, and then we also put them next to each other, like we wrung them out and everything, and then. We put them next to each other and talked about how even when this one is getting filled, the water will transfer into the hard, dry one. So even just by, if someone is having a hard time and may not be the most receptive to you saying, here, listen to this stuff I have to tell you, just you loving on them and being near them will help soften their heart too. And that's how we can be Jesus, which I'll get to in a minute, to people around us. So the lesson is, the closer we stay to God and the more drenched we are in his word, the more malleable our hearts are to his will and better equipped we are to pour into others. So, The next topic is obedience, which I'm sure is everyone's favorite, most popular topic. Um, I feel like obedience, just the word, is so unpopular in today's society. I actually tried to find like an e-card or a meme, or I don't even know what the difference between those two things are, but like, you know, like one of those things to put up to show you, but most of them weren't appropriate for me to stand up here and put up unless they were about like dog training school. (laughs) So, but basically it's just, no one wants to hear that. We're told over and over, just be an individual and do what feels good for you and spend all your money because you need all these things that, you know, it's just not hearing that we as adults should obey anyone is like offensive to people and very like anti our society. So um, I really didn't even want to mention this one, but it was one I felt like is necessary. So first, we must obey God. And second, we must require obedience of our children. And you know what that means is listen to his word and actually follow his instruction, not say, I I don't like that one. I'm not going to do that one. Um, Or I'll just pretend that part's not in there. Um, That's very easy to do and um, more comfortable, I think, in our society, but that's not what God requires of us. Um, Now, requiring obedience of our children is not the same as requiring perfection. Um, There should be consequences for actions, not arbitrary punishments. And I I actually learned this from Vicki. I think it was like my first or second meeting I ever came to. And I had one kid who was like four months old, but I'm like frantically writing notes because I wanted to remember it all. But she said, you know, to take 
like set actions and have set consequences and have them be basically like similar to the number of years the old they are, especially when they're young. So like for my three-year-old, she literally has like three rules, which are mostly like don't hit, don't get out of bed. You know, like they're very, but they're things that she struggles with. And then uh, what Vicky had said was to put set consequences for each of those actions because then you're not reacting when you're angry, which I like, I'm very easygoing. I like, people pleasing, but then, you know, everyone loses their temper. And especially about not staying in bed at night, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not the only one, but you're not like done by 10 o'clock at night. And when your kid comes out for the 18th time, you're like, oh my gosh, just go to bed. Like I've, and I've definitely like lost my temper, but I try not to. So for that specific one, we have a specific consequence, which Riley got up eight times last night. So um, she, but she knows what it is and she'll tell you what the consequence is. So um they just started sharing a room this summer, and the first consequence is that they get separated. Macy is going to be that poor kid at sleeping sleepovers where that everyone messes with because she's the first one to sleep. I mean, let's hope that doesn't happen, but that's what, like, she falls asleep the second she goes to bed. But Riley is like a night owl. We'll stay up till 2 in the morning if you would let her, and with them sharing a room, it's really hard because then she keeps Macy up, and then they both go to school now, and it makes for a very grumpy morning. So our consequence is just the first time, you know, either that we hear poor Macy saying, like, please leave me alone or whatever. And it's not always, in Riley's defense, it's not always her that's, you know, Macy, like, definitely, you know, like, throws a toy at her or something because she's talking. But, like, so there's both. But the first consequence is that they get separated because we just know that that's a consequence. And they both cry every time, like, they know what's coming because we've told them. And when we put them to bed, we say, if you get up or if there's drama, which they can both sing you, no, no drama, drama, no, they like know the song because I sing that clip to them because it makes me laugh instead of being angry. Um, but they just have to be separated. So last night they definitely got separated and then there's, you know, consequences from there. But, um, but just pick set consequences that they know it's going to be that because then they learn that there's a consequence to their action. So like this quote says, grace means all your mistakes now serve a purpose instead of serving shame. So instead of them feeling bad or you yourself, like just realize when you disobey, there is a consequence. But that doesn't mean that you're bad or they're bad or anything. It just means you need to change your thought process or theirs of how to handle the situation the next time. So, and I think... Um, the biggest things are, yeah, not reacting out of anger, which is easier said than done, and being quick to forgive. Um, I know our kids often hold grudges against us, and that's hard. I struggle with it. You know, like I feel all guilty and want to go cry in the other room. But also don't hold a grudge against them. Like sometimes, you know, you've had like a, it was a horrible day, but you go sit there and you see them sleeping afterwards, and you're, then you feel all bad. So just try to um, get over it before bedtime if possible. So the next topic is practicing being Jesus to others. I know that you've all been admiring my what would Jesus do bracelet since I've been up here. I had to find it last night because I really, really wanted to actually have one and not just a picture. And about like midnight, I found it in the depths of my closet. But this is my what would you, my WWJD bracelet from like, I think I got it at a Supertones concert when I was like 14 or something. <laughs> So, but I still have it, so you can imagine the state of our closets and my garage. But, um, but basically, I know that's silly and that dates me and whatever, but it is a concept that we should apply. It doesn't have to be a bracelet, but just when you're in a situation, try to stop and think and teach your kids to stop and think, 
how Jesus would react in this situation or what he would do. Because sometimes, let's be honest, most of the time it's not how your gut reaction is. Um, so verses on being like Jesus. First John has some good advice on this. In First John 2.6, he says, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And First John 3.16 says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Um, five ways your child can practice being Jesus to others or being like Jesus to others as they start a new school year. First and foremost, they can obey their teacher. They can pray for their teacher and other students in their class. They can make new friends. They can be a good friend, which means talking to the student that's new and doesn't know anyone, or standing up for someone, or not participating when others are picking on someone, um, and don't gossip or put others down. And I think that is a lesson from preschool all the way to us moms, because let's be honest, we're guilty of it too. Um, The toothpaste lesson, I put this up on the mom's Facebook page a couple weeks ago, and it's long, and I know the text is small. It's on our Facebook page if you want to read it still. But this mom, Amy Beth Gardner, did this with her daughter the day before she started middle school. And I think it's a great lesson for middle schoolers, but also for younger kids, older kids, and us as adults. So I'm just going to end by reading it to you. My daughter starts middle school tomorrow. We've decorated her locker, bought new uniforms, even surprised her with a new backpack. But tonight, just before bed, we did another pre-middle school task that is far more important than the others. I gave her a tube of toothpaste and asked her to squirt it out on a plate. When she finished, I calmly asked her to put all the toothpaste back in the tube. She began exclaiming things like, but I can't, and it, and it won't be like this it was before. I quiet, quietly waited for her to finish and then said the following, you will remember this plate of toothpaste for the rest of your life. Your words have the power of life or death. As you go into middle school, you are about to see just how much weight your words carry. You are going to have the opportunity to use your words to hurt, demean, slander, and wound others. You are also going to have the opportunity to use your words to heal, encourage, inspire, and love others. You will occasionally make the wrong choice. I can think of three times this week I have used my own words carelessly and caused harm. Just like this toothpaste, once the words leave your mouth, you cannot take them back. Use your words carefully, Brianna. When others are misusing their words, Guard your mouth. Decide tonight that you are going to be a life giver in middle school. Be known for your gentleness and compassion. Use your life to give life to a world that so desperately needs it. You will never, ever regret choosing kindness. So teach your kids to be kind, and mommies, let's be kind ourselves. Thank you.